Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. We hope you enjoy. All right, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Guys, I hope you are doing well. I loved getting the extra hour of sleep last night, and I kind of like that's getting cold now. So I, I saw on, weather, on the weather, it's going to be 43 degrees as a low on Wednesday. So we're getting into winter, guys. So I'm excited for that. Guys, if you don't know me, my name is Tim, and I help run junior high here at Seacoast. Normally, Mad would be up here, but tonight is his anniversary with his wife, Chelsea. And so they're out having a good time celebrating, I think they're like seventh or eighth or ninth year, whatever marriage. So that's awesome. Well, Guys, we're going to be continuing the series you guys have been going through in the book of Romans. I think for the last 10 or 11 weeks or something, you guys have been going through like what's going to be like a 30-week series or 20-something week series of the book of Romans. It's a super-packed book. It's a, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the, the church of Rome. Hence, he's writing a letter to the Romans. And he's not necessarily sure if he's going to make it to Rome. He's not like... He's not certain. There's a lot of things going on. He's in and out of prison. He's shipwrecked. All these things going on in, in his life that are, are kind of make it difficult for him um, to, to get where he's trying to go. And so at, at this point in his life, he's uncertain. He's trying to get to Rome. He's uncertain if he's going to make it. So he writes this letter to the Christians in Rome. And he, he because he is unsure if he's going to make it, he's going to pack everything in there. This thing is long 16 chapters of every single thing that we could possibly understand, all the fundamentals, all the, the foundation of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so today we're going to be continuing on to see what he's trying to convey to, to the believers in, in the church of Rome or the Christians in Rome. And so tonight we're unpacking the second half of chapter five of Romans. The last couple weeks, last week and the week before, Matt unpacked the first two sections of of Romans chapter five. I think the first week he's only spent the entire time just on two verses and then the next nine verses. And then today we're going through verses 12 to 21. So I think the best thing to do for today would just to read this whole section first before we dive right into it and kind of unpack each verse, verse individually. Because a letter is like, like consider a full email. If you're trying to read someone's email, if you just read like the middle few sentences, it's kind of hard to really understand like the whole context of everything. So let's just read this whole passage together and then we're, we'll, we'll dive in deep. So we'll start in Romans 5, 12 through 21. It says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died from one man's transgression, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man's sin. So have that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many transgresses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, just 
Uh, so, as, wow. so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's disobedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray real quick. Father God, as we dive into your word, as we, as we unpack this, this beautiful passage, Father, explaining what it means to truly be saved by you, Father, God, I pray that, that this passage would not, would not come out in us as, as just learning big Bible words or learning new things to fill our heads with God, but it would move from our heads into our hearts and from our hearts into our heads, understanding what it means that you have justified us. God, we thank you for your free gift. We thank you for making us new and giving us that freedom. And I pray tonight we would understand that and truly, truly hold that to heart. In your name we pray, amen. So I kind of want us to understand what makes all this so important. Because we're, we're kind of opening up a, like a, a, a response to what he's just said. It starts with therefore. And I've said this before. If you see the word therefore, you have to know what it's there for. So we've got we to gotta look back. And so Paul is kind of unpacking this idea that we've been reconciled. Our relationship with God has been broken in the past. It's been broken for all of us, all of humanity. The human race has been broken because of something that Adam did long ago. And so by Jesus coming down and, and dying for us, he's, he's, he's brought that relationship back into a right standing between us and God. And so, so we're unpacking right here as, as Paul is, is trying to show us what is the result of that? How did that come to be? How is it that some guy who came down to earth, who was born 2,000 plus years ago, him dying on some wooden cross really pays for, for my sin? How is it that, that, that he could just die and all of a sudden I'm set free? Like, what, did I do, what is it that I did or what did he do that, that makes it all work like that? Well, tonight I want us to, to look at this passage to see really why that's true and why we can have that right relationship with God because of that. See, it. As we look at the end of Romans 5, we'll, we'll get this answer directly by Paul. Because through understanding exactly what Jesus did, we can see our need for an ultimate eternal Savior. Because we're going to see, as we've said, as we've I've seen by reading the fact that there's this thing called sin in us. There's this thing, this, this trespass that's read over and over in this passage. And so tonight, if, if you could take anything away, it would be that sin makes dead what Jesus makes alive. Sin makes dead what Jesus makes alive. And we're going to see that very, very clearly as we go through this. My hope is by looking at this tonight, you would begin to see the freedom found in what Jesus has done for you and me. And so let's kind of break down verse by verse of what, what we just read in these, in these 10 verses tonight. So this passage kind of, is kind of in twofold. It's split into two parts. The first part is, is talking about one man's doing, and the other part is talking about another man's doing. The first man, his failure brought mankind's fall, brought mankind's fall. You may have heard of the, the idea, the biblical concept, the fall of man. This is the idea of bringing in like the sin that was brought in us and that, that we all have. And so let's just start off reading in Romans 5, 12 through 14, this first section right here. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So Paul, in a sense, is giving an account of this idea of the fall of man, this, this, well, what happens in the very beginning, right? We, we see in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and then God created after six days, and in there, man was created. We see Adam and Eve created, and then, and then you know, the, the children's Bible story, Adam and Eve ate the apple or the plum or whatever fruit you can think of from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they disobeyed God. But here directly, we, we see that this illustration is not really including Eve, even though Eve was the first one to, to take a bite of the fruit. It's, it's really only talking about Adam's trespass, his transgression, his sin in this. This is because Adam made a deliberate choice to disobey. In one sense, Eve was deceived. She was lied to. The serpent came to her and was like, hey, this is going to be good for you, I promise. I wouldn't lie to you. This is... This is what, what God's trying to hide from you, all the, the, the knowledge of good and evil, then you're going to see life right if, if, if you eat of this. So she ate, she was deceived. And then she turned to Adam and she's like, here, try it. And he's like, hmm, okay. And he made that deliberate choice to disobey God's commands. And because of that, because of that free choice to disobey God, it came an expense, which is death. Death was not supposed to be in our vocabulary as creations of God. Because there is no death, there is no end to God because God is good and eternal. There's something about death that doesn't sit well with us. Right? Why, why are we so sad when people die? Why are we so sad when I see plants die or flowers die or a bee smushed on the ground or whatever? It's because death is not something that's in our nature. But because of this one thing that Adam did thousands of years ago, now, now it is. It's an, it's an infection that it is a result of, of something he did. And what he did was sin. This idea of going against God. Doing something that pulled him away from God. But you could be asking yourself, well, why is it that what he did so long ago, why does, why does that affect me now? It shouldn't be fair that I have to suffer the consequences of death because of something some dude did who was born, I don't know, 10,000 years ago or whatever. Well, think of it like this. Think of... Think of it as spiritual genetics. We have a spiritual DNA. And Adam, being the one person who was supposed to bring all of humanity through, started, had the root of this spiritual DNA. And so now he sinned, now he stepped away from God, and this spiritual DNA has been infected with a disease that now is inherited for every single spiritual generation that is to come, leading all the way up to us now. It inflicts all of humanity because of the actions of this one man. The point that's being made here is that this disobedience that brought in the sinful nature did not need a set of rules, right? It's talking about this, this there, was no, there was no sin before, the, or there was sin before the law and death before the law and death reigned before the law was given. This idea that literally, if you look at the Bible narrative, there's the, the time between Adam, who's in Genesis, and Moses, who in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and the, the time of when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, and God gave him all the Ten Commandments and all 600 Levitical laws, Mosaic laws, that he, they were supposed to follow as the Jewish nation. What, what Paul's saying here is that sin is still a thing regardless of the laws that are around. Like there, the laws weren't around when Cain killed Abel or or all the, the things that happened between Adam and Moses, but the effects of sin are still real. See, this metric, the standard that was given in, in, in the law that we see now in the Bible and all leading up to now, that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not to say that, oh, perfect, now that you have this, you can sin as a result. 
or now you know what sin is because of this. No, it's saying that it sets us at a higher standard because we have the law given by God even in light of the sin that's infected us. So Paul is saying that sin is not something we bring onto ourselves. It's not that I was perfectly good and was going to be good until I made my first mistake. It's not something that we received. It's not something that we got to choose to be sinful, each one of us. No, it's something that is spread throughout all of humanity. And so we get to see this contrast as we read through the passage about what it really means to have the effect of sin in our lives. It's like verse 14 says, not all our wrongdoing have brought the entire line of humanity into death, but we still fall into what we still deserve of death. But there's hope. And there's hope that, that as we see in the next passage, even though as Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This idea that, that we're, we're, we're depraved. We have this total depravity in, in us. This idea that, that it seems like we're condemned for good, that this condemnation sets us completely down into hell and there's no way of getting back because we have fallen short. And the idea of breaking God's covenant, breaking God's law and going against God, we have, we have gone against our design. Therefore, we are deserving of something not good. But there is this hope in, the, in this next passage as we read Romans 5, 15 through 17. Let's read it. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one, that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, we kind of move into the second theme of this passage. The, the passage, the first part, was the idea that one man's failure brought mankind's fall. Then we see this complete contrast as we read through this passage that one man's fix brought mankind's freedom. Right? We, we're talking about one man before Adam. This idea that he brought sin into the world, and through us, we're all now infected throughout all humanity. But then there's another man, another man who's who's just like Adam, who's all of life and all of creation, all of, all of what's good is supposed to live from. But this man has come to restore what God's original intention was. And this beautiful contrast really gives light into what it really means for Jesus to have come down and died for us. See, we see that, that this contrast that we see Adam, who has the trespass. And the trespass is what he did, what was wrong. We talked about that. But then we have the free gift. And the free gift is the good that Jesus did in dying on the cross and saving us. The free gift that he has given us. It's the free gift that we get to have now because of him dying. And so one man's trespass, his disobedience brought condemnation, brought death to all of us, brought the infection of sin in us. But then the one man came later and his obedience to God brought not condemnation, but it brought justification. This idea, this big word we might hear as you've been in the church a long time, this big idea of justification, as we'll talk in a minute, this, this beautiful idea that Jesus has set us free. It's, 
this idea, the truth behind all this is that we've gained much more from what Jesus has done than what Adam could have ever taken away from us. Because in one light, Adam took something away from us. He took, his doing took our life from us, brought that condemnation. But what Jesus did is brought so much more. This idea of much more is brought up five times in this passage because we see what Adam did. We see what the one man did, but then so much more is what Jesus did for us. This is important to see in understanding what it is to mean that we have that free gift of salvation. But the free gift is, is, is one that needs to be received, right? Sin is not something that, like I said earlier, we, that we got necessary to, to choose. I didn't really receive it. I didn't say, Jesus, I'm accepting my sin right now. I'm gonna live by it. That's not how it worked. Our sin was infected in us. But the one thing we can receive is the free gift of Jesus. That is the difference between sin and salvation. When we, when we recognize our, our path of condemnation, when we recognize the fault that we have, when we recognize that we are infected with this, this sin in us, we make a choice to accept Jesus' free gift of eternal life. Let's read these last few verses. Romans 5, 18 through 21. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We fall into this word, I said earlier, justification. And when I say this, I don't want you to think, cool, I know some big Bible word now that I can, I can say that, that I know my stuff. It's so much more than that. This is the foundation. This is the pinnacle of what it means that separates us from all different religions, all different beliefs, all understandings of who Jesus was. Not some good teacher, not some nice guy, not some good example we just followed because, you know, he was good looking and did nice things and walked ladies across the street. No, Jesus' Jesus's justification for us is the foundation of what sets us free from this sin. Because without it, we don't have that freedom. And we see it in our legal system today, this idea of justification, to make something right, to justify, to bring justice. It's not just a biblical idea, right? If someone uh, breaks a speed limit, well, in order to, to make just what they did wrong, they got to they pay $500 or whatever it is. If someone goes to rob a bank, well, justice is served by them going to jail for many years. If someone breaks some copyright infringement or does something, you know, that's not necessarily illegal, but harms someone else, well, there's a lawsuit right there. And justice is, you know, you have millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars that are paid to bring that justice. So this idea of justice is something that we see very practically in the world today. But Jesus brought a different kind of justice, not one at our suffering, not one at our cost, not one that, 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 brings harm to us. I have this right here. This is a scale. I didn't want to get an actual, you know, the ones you see, the justice scales, because those were a little too expensive. So I got, I got the kid version right here. Picture this as your life. Picture this as, as a blank slate. Picture this as, as, as a life that is, is free of sin. But then sin comes in. We have, you know, a lie, a cheat, 
a steal, all these things that just pile up in our life. You have that infection of sin that takes over our entire life and makes us have a cost. It's over our entire life. Some of us can build up shame and regret and, 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 and brokenness because of this idea that we are just constantly filling ourselves up and, and doing things that go against what God, God's will for us is. See, it's easy to just to live by this and to think, wow, like, this is my doom. This is my fate. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for, for, for my life because this is, this is what it is. This is the infection that's in my life. I think some of us do not think that there is hope for the evil in the world, for all that Jesus came to do. It's pointless. I think some of us have built our sin like a dam, and it's brick by brick. We're building things up over and over and over again. So a dam that's huge, bigger than, I don't know, the biggest dam you could imagine. So big that we don't think that anything could break it down. So big and wide that we feel like it's too big to, to, to overcome. That this is going to hold up everything. All of our sin, all of our shame, that's going to hold it up. But we have lost hope and we think we've fallen into the lie that nothing is good enough for me. That I, that, that there's, there's no hope for me. And you're right, there is no hope for you on your own. There's no hope for you to do anything on your own that could fix this problem. But guess what? That is what the justification of Jesus is. Coming in and pouring an outpour of his grace over us to the point where we cannot undo it. Our life, our life is justified by the grace of Jesus Christ. <laughs> she wants some beans, take some. Some of us have a choice to make. The choice is, are you going to let the seal that Adam marked on your heart as trespass to define your life? Or are you going to let the seal that Jesus marked on your heart as justified to be the symbol of your life? Because Jesus is the one who came to save you. It says this in John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God comes to, to, take the sin, to take away the sin of the world. That is the true one God, not just some figure in history, not just some, some guy who came 2,000 years ago, but the one true God whose power and might defeated death so much that we don't need animal sacrifices to atone for us. We don't need, we don't need doing good things. We don't need to be a good person. Yeah, obviously being a good person is a good thing as the Bible tells us, but that's not enough. But it's through Jesus' atoning grace that brings us justification. And without this, we do not have the foundation of what we believe as, as Christ followers. And so my hope is that you would take this away as motivation, encouragement, and, and, and a passion to know what Jesus did for you. And as Paul is stating in this letter, we can have not death reign over us, but have freedom, have hope, have, have eternal life in Christ reign over us instead of our sin. All right, let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you for your grace. God, I, looking at my own life, God, there's, there's nothing I could do, no matter how hard I try to fix it. God, as, as, as humans, we're problem solvers. We want to fix it on our own, God, but, but time and time again, we fail to. God, I thank you for your grace, your love, God, and, and making justice, God, through your grace on that cross. I thank you for saving us when we choose you. God, thank you for saving us 
when we accept you into our life and accept the realization that we are nothing without you. God, I pray over tonight and every person here as they walk away that they would make the foundation of their life not just alone in their bedroom at night, not just alone when they're reading the Bible, God, but as they walk out of here and live their life in front of others, make it their passion to make you known and to live it out what it means to be justified by you, Father. So we love you. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.